If you would please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis, chapter number 16. The Genesis, chapter number 16. Continue our study entitled, The Making of a Wild Man. Hey, that looks pretty good, don't it? Uh, you could almost see that on the news every day for the last few months the making of a wild man. What in the world is going on in the Middle East? Is it significant for us today? Should we give in to political correctness? Is there a, such a thing as racial profiling, or is that a political term to make us afraid to speak our mind. I hope and pray that you are politically correct. I draw your attention to the book of Genesis, chapter number 16, and I do that because that comes after chapter 15, and we've already discussed that. And so, look in your Bible, if you would, please. Genesis chapter 16, and I read for you verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar, a Hamite, if you please from the three sons of Noah, not from Shem or Japheth, but a woman from Egypt, which is a Hamite from Ham, the son of Noah. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. So I'm going to show the Lord I can handle this job all by myself. Have you ever done that? I pray thee, she said, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. The Bible says, and Sarah, and he went into Hagar, verse 4, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Doing what's good may not always be what's right. Sometimes you might mistake a spoonful of sour cream for vanilla ice cream. I did that to my daughter when she's just still in a high chair. That's why she has such a sour disposition today. But it did change the look on her face. 
when she took that large spoonful of sour cream expecting vanilla ice cream, it played havoc with her taste glands for some time. This taking things into their own hands between Abraham and Sarah has now continued for 4,000 years of disharmony, war, pillage, death, and violence to the Middle East. And so Hagar flees from her problem and goes toward Egypt. And verse number 9, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hand. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And I'll bet this is great news to a mother who's expecting and he will be a wild man. I've had six of those. All of them have not been men, but all of them have been wild. And he, Ishmael, shall be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. And every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. The making of a wild man. Notice in verse 3 and 4, Ishmael is the elder son of Abraham. In verse 3 and 4, it talks about, And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, maid, an Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. The act is accepted by law and by society in this time, but not accepted morally. The father of Ishmael is a Hebrew, a Jew, by the name of Abraham, who is of the lineage of Shem, back to Noah's children, and that makes Abraham a Shemite, a Hebrew, a Jew. The mother of Ishmael, the wild man, is an Egyptian who is of the sons of Ham. 
Can I say, please, to be kind? He is a cross breed. Do you remember years ago, and I'm not so sure this will be offensive to anyone, but I always worry about that in the afternoon. Do anybody remember when you had to have a blood test to get married? I think it originated in the Appalachian Mountains for a reason. <laughs> Genetics and blood makes a difference. Ishmael is the father of the Arabic nationality, the daddy of the Arabs. But God has not left that elder son of Abraham without promise. Notice chapter 16 and verse 10 and 12. The Bible is very plain to say, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. It now exceeds 200 million. I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. It shall not be numbered for multitude. And he will be a wild man. Promise to his mother. Chapter 17 and verse 20. God promised something to his father. And as for Ishmael... I have heard thee, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Talking about the Arab community, the Arab society. The promise to the Father is absolute numerous of people. The Arabs today constitute one nation with 21 states. They're called by names like Iran, Iraq, Syria, Jordan, and on and on and on. Approximately 200 million Ishmaelites, 200 million descendants of a wild man. We are no longer, why does this sound like a funeral? It's so quiet in here. 
We no longer have to worry about a man, a person. But now that wild man has become a nation, a religion. All Arabs are not Muslims, but most Muslims are Arabic. Their population doubles every 26 years. In comparison to the rest of the world, their population doubles every 40 years. But their religion puts their stamp of approval on polygamy. Every man is allowed four wives if they love each one equally. So how do you know that? I read it. May I say to you today, can we make any sense out of what's going on in the Middle East. We are so ill-informed as to what's going on. To us and to the news media, even to the encyclopedia, the problem in the Middle East is a Palestinian and Jewish problem. Would you look in your Bible and see if you ever find the word Palestinian? The land that we're speaking of now in the Bible is known and called Canaan. Amen. It's called by several and sundry names. A family feud has lasted now for 4,000 years, and I know America probably have spent billions of dollars to keep those brothers, half-brothers, from fighting. Do you tame a wild man with more money? Do you get a disobedient, rebellious child to do what you want by bribery? And if he does do it, how long does it last? I have come to the conclusion that eventually the inside is going to come out. You may take a polecat, better known as a skunk, and bleach all of his black hair white. Put ribbons in his ears and dub him a house cat. But you rub him wrong. There might be a stink in the house. 
the making of a wild one. Recently, Nadel Hassan in our military toting a doctor's degree from our universities. A non rebellious, obedient Muslim American. Not a terrorist. Because our news media refuses to call him a terrorist. What he did was commit a crime, not an act of terrorism. Political correctness, you see. But when the inside began to boil, what he had been taught and what he was from his birth, began to agitate and aggravate within. And he grabbed a rifle and killed 13 people and wounded 30 others. You may proxide his black hair white. You may put ribbons in his ears and corporal stripes across his chest. But eventually, I said eventually, has anybody ever said his raising is showing? <laughs> Please, if you've got a gun, don't shoot me till I get through. The making of a wild man. That don't just happen. That did not happen because he watched Rambo on television. That did not come from the outside. That came from a deep vetted doctrine and beneath from the inside. Ishmael was not a wild man because of the other kids in the family, because he was the first. The Bible said that he was a wild man from birth. I question today, is the problem... What is the problem in the Middle East? Everybody says the problem in the Middle East is oil. But they were fighting before they even knew they had any oil. It was Americans, Standard Oil, who went to the Middle East and discovered oil. And the lucrative revenues that standard oil encompassed, finally the Arabs realized <laughs> that could be ours. 
They nationalized the oil. One state after another, beginning in Iran. And eventually, the Americans was looking through a porthole, going home with no oil, and all the oil in the Middle East is now in the hands of the descendants of a wild man. Now, they can afford to evangelize the world because they have the finances by which to propagate the wild man's religion. And they have Americans so cowered down because of political correctness, they'll be educated in our schools at our expense. So what is the problem in the Middle East if it's not over oil? What is the problem? Why does the wild man have a gun? Why does he hide behind the mask? Is it for shame or fear? What is the problem? The problem is the land. If Ishmael is God, Abraham's elder son, and Isaac is the younger son, nationally and traditionally, to whom does Abraham leave his possession? You're welcome. The elder son. Ishmael believes that the land is his. Isaac, according to the Bible, the land is his. The Jews are of the lineage of Isaac. The Arabs are. No, the problem is between the Palestinians and the Jews. But I've looked at my Bible. I find no recommend and no account at all where that God even recognized a Palestinian. So I come to the conclusion, I wonder where the Palestinians came from. There's no record of them in the Bible. Could just somebody real quietly say amen? Because I'd like to think I'm not here by myself.
Yasser Arafat said that the Palestinians are descendants of the ancient Philistines in the Old Testament. Don't that make good sense? Well, if they are, they're not of the lineage of Shem, but Ham. Thus they know akin to Abraham or Ishmael. But Muhammad the last prophet of God or Allah and the beginner of the Muslim religion made the statement that he is of the lineage of Ishmael if that be true, they're Arabs and not Palestinians. And the problem in the Middle East, then, we must conclude, is not a Palestinian problem. It's an Arab The Palestinians are displaced Arabs with no country and has been that way since Ishmael. They've never had a, com co a col country or colony. They just lived in the land of Israel for 2,000 years until the Jews came home. Well, that's not fair. Let me ask you, who does the land belong to in Genesis 1-1? If God owns the world and he says the earth is mine and the fullness thereof, then it is God who decides who the land belongs to. You said, that's not fair. I didn't ask you if it's fair. It's just a fact. Now, me and Ginger own a large portion of this world, two and a half acres. But do I really own it? Somebody was there before I got there, and somebody will be there after I'm gone. And in the beginning, it was God's, and when it's all done, it'll be God's. So it's up to God to whom it belongs. Could I please draw your attention to a verse in chapter 17 of the book of Genesis? Please don't go to sleep. I'll be done before Tony plays this afternoon. Notice verse 18 of the book of Genesis, chapter 17. I read for you now, if you'll watch, 18. 
Abraham said unto God, All that Ishmael might have might live before thee. Abe just don't get it, does he? Trying to make Ishmael the heir. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed. And as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him a fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. The land is the problem. Genesis 12 and 7, look at that, would you please? The land is the problem. Verse 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham, chapter 12, verse 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Genesis 15 and verse 18. He says again. And in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. The problem is the land. Who or to whom does the Holy Land belong? You see, the land is really the problem. And the Arabs hate Israel. The Palestinians that are uh, endeavoring in, in uh, guerrilla warfare and the Jews who are dealing in guerrilla warfare, it's been going on since Ishmael. I don't know if you know this or not, but two dates are very important. And it's four minutes till 12. Two dates, 1948, 1967. After World War II, the British was in complete control of all the Holy Land. In 1948, they decided that they could do nothing to keep the Jews and the Arabs from fighting. So Britain decided to give all the Holy Land to the Jews for a homeland, and the Jews proclaimed an independent Jewish nation. And the Arabs declared war against the Jews. Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and all the Arab countries declared war 
against this little handful of Jews. The Arabs thought that this was one of them AI deals. Just a matter of days or hours and the Jews would be obliviated and everything would be all right. So the Arabs told all the Arabs of the country to leave their homes temporarily because this little Jewish scrimmage is not going to last very long. The Arabs left groceries, water, and supplies expecting to come back in a few days, but that didn't go that way. The Jews defeated the Arabs leaving 500,000 refugee Palestinians and 100,000 Jewish refugees. You don't hear about the Jewish refugees. All you hear about is those heartless Jews who run all the Arabs out of their houses. That was not what happened at all. They left expecting to be right back. But there was no place to come back. The Jews won the war. The Jews welcomed the 100,000 refugees, Jews, to Jerusalem, to Israel. And all we heard about was the Palestinian refugees that was ravished and run out by the Jews. It's got to be political correct, you know. Amen and amen. It's all about the land. 1948, the Jews proclaimed and designated all of that area as an independent nation. In 1967, the Jews realizing that they were vulnerable to all the attacks from the outside, started what we know as the Six-Day War. And when they had finished the Six-Day War, they had defeated the Arabs. They had won the Golan Heights, the Western Bank, the Gaza Strip, and the Egyptian Peninsula in six days. Think God didn't have something to do with that? See, that thing over there is not about oil. Forget about ABC, NBC, CBS, and B-U-L-L. It's not about oil. Because the Arabs says God made the promise to Ishmael. And the Jews says it was made to Isaac. The Muslims will have you to believe that in Genesis 22, 
they laid, Abraham laid Ishmael on the altar. The Christians and the Jews says that Abraham laid Isaac on the altar. That's the dividing factor. Thus, since Ishmael thinks it's his and Isaac thinks it's his, thus the problem. And all of God's people said, that's the introduction. And next week, I will have maps. I would have them today, but they wasn't colored, and it's so difficult to look at HD in black and white. But we'll talk about this wild man that has become a wild nation, which is most definitely a wild religion. Its author, its beginner, after Muhammad's death, the man who took over and his generals in two years conquered all of Arabia. Muslim, jihad, holy wars. Radicalism? Or could it be religion at its worst? From the Koran, I quote, Kill those joined to other gods. Wherever you find them and lay in wait for them with every kind of ambush. But if they convert and observe prayer and pay an obligatory alms, let them go their way. Lay every kind of ambush. That is not radical Islam. That is Islam. In closing, thank God Abraham had another son. And his name was Isaac. And through Isaac, all the promises of Abraham are everlasting. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. Think of this. Abraham had three sons. One was a wild man. One was Isaac. And according to Galatians chapter number three, the other one was Jesus. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. And through him, all that believe on his name are partakers of an everlasting covenant. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. 
and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Because he that giveth to me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I do not preach or teach to make you fearful or angry. I do not demean any nationality. I think we ought to pray for every Muslim in the world that they would see with an eye of faith that Christianity is a religion or relationship of love and not one of hate and war. How many are glad that Abraham had another son and he's not alive?